Welcome to Geared Up. Here in Seattle, I'm Todd Bishop from GeekWire.com, and I'm pleased to be joined on the line by Andrew Edwards. How's it going, Andrew? What's going on, Todd? I'm here. I am here right now in L.A. What is happening? Nice. What the heck are you doing in L.A.? I'm here in L.A. I just attended the Funko premiere, their movie premiere. It's a documentary called Making Fun. Funko is a awesome toy company located in Everett, Washington, and they have the premiere down here at the TCL Chinese Theater. So I attended that. And tomorrow I am off to Orlando to attend the PGA show. And I'll be bringing you all the latest tech from the golf world. Golf, golf tech. So it's like CES for golf. That's what you're doing? That's correct. CES for golf. One example I saw that I'm going to be checking out is a smart golf ball which will determine how far you hit it, how hard you hit it, and where it landed all through a smartphone. So I'm not a golfer, so this should be very interesting. Awesome. That'll be a lot of fun. Okay, cool. I can't wait to hear about that on next week's episode. Coming up this week, though, we have got a great show. We are going to be talking about a new twist in the Xbox Game Pass. Plus, we are going to be exploring the latest news on Apple's HomePod high-end speaker, and we're going to go in-depth with the technology behind Amazon Go, Amazon's brand new high-tech retail store in Seattle. Also, stick around. We have a brand new Geared Up giveaway, your chance to win a Muse device. You remember this thing, Andrew? This brings Amazon Echo into your car, right? Absolutely. And I've been using it, and we've got an extra one to give away to Geared Up listeners. We're going to give you the details coming up in the second segment. Okay, First, though, let's jump in. Xbox Game Pass. This is essentially a subscription that Microsoft came out with previously, but they updated it in a really interesting way. Andrew, you've been tracking this one. Yeah, yeah. So what's interesting is the Game Pass was kind of like, you know, like Netflix, but for games, if you own an Xbox. You pay $9.99 per month, and they rotate in and out in different games, but you have access to basically 100 or so games. So you pay your 10 bucks a month. You can play any of these 100 games, you know, as much as you'd like to, as long as you have an active subscription. And every month they kind of swap games in and out to kind of keep things fresh. The biggest complaint about the Game Pass, well, first let's start with the positive. The positive about the Game Pass is that you pay your $10 a month, which is $120 a year, which is the cost of two games. So for the cost of two games on an annual basis, you can play, you know, 100 games at any, any moment. The complaint most people had was that these games weren't the newest games. They are, you know, catalog titles. A lot of them now, since the Xbox One does backwards compatibility, a lot of them are Xbox 360 and even original Xbox games as well. So those obviously aren't going to be the latest and greatest. Um, There are some Xbox One games in there too, but Microsoft just announced a change to where they are going to be adding in to the Game Pass their first-party titles on day one. So, for example, Halo, one of the biggest franchises on the Xbox, when the next Halo game comes out, you if you have a Game Pass, you can play it the same day that it's released in stores. And that's that's a big deal. That's that's major. That is huge. I could see where this would be a, something that would be a tipping point for the Game Pass. We talked about this last year when it was announced, and it seemed like a big deal at the time, but I could see where... Without these kinds of titles, somebody would look at it and go, it's just not worth it. But for 10 bucks a month to have access to those games, and no longer do you have to wait in line, really. I mean, the, those days are gone. Right. Here they are. Right. And I mean, you know, you didn't have to wait in line. I mean, you could still buy these games and download them on day one. You can even do, uh, they even let you down. If you pre-order, you can download them usually a week in advance. 
because these games are so big nowadays, 50 gigabytes that if you were to buy it at midnight when it came out, you'd probably have to wait a day and a half before you could even start playing. So they let you download it early and then they activate it when it goes live. So you, there's still the line waiting um, is kind of a thing of the past these days. But like you said, the Game Pass was, it was really like for me, in my own personal opinion, it was for people who aren't really big gamers. They just want to have an Xbox and they want to have some games to play. Or for parents with children who they just want to here's just play something, here's some games. I don't want to spend a ton of money on games. You have a hundred games here to choose from. So pick something. And now it's changed to where if you're a big gamer and you're an Xbox owner and you care about games like, again, the new Halo, they've announced things like Halo, the new Forza, Years of War, uh, the new Crackdown 3 game that people have been waiting for for a while, Sea of Thieves, which comes out on March 20th, which is a game coming from Rare, which is a, a studio that Microsoft owns. All these games, like all these franchises, they're saying day one availability. If you're a big gamer, these are blockbuster games that you're probably looking forward to playing um, as soon as they're announced. You can't wait till these come out. And now it becomes very attractive because if you're a big gamer and you play, you know, you're going to play, let's just say Halo or Crackdown 3, and you plan on beating it within a month or two and maybe never going back to it, now the game will cost you, you know, 10, 20, 30 bucks access to that game versus, you know, the $60 you, you pay. And then when you're done with it, you're just stuck with a game that you don't really play anymore. So it's very interesting what Microsoft's doing here. And I want, I wonder you know, I'm not sure. I, I can't wrap my head around the strategy yet because they these games will sell at sixty dollars. People will buy them at sixty dollars. So why would you include them here in the Game Pass for ten dollars instead of getting the sixty? I'm not sure. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. I, I sure do. I think that the I think that the game console market is newly competitive again it has been reinvigorated by nintendo in particular if you look at the switch and the way the switch has been just dominating the market and certainly people can look at this and say well nintendo is kind of in a class unto itself and really the competition here is between the playstation and the xbox and it's always been that way but people have a choice when they go out there and decide which which new console to get and if they can sit here and say oh wait I can go with the Xbox, I can get the Game Pass, and I can get these titles, these marquee blockbuster titles on day one with that Game Pass. I think it's one more thing that makes Microsoft at least a little bit more competitive against Nintendo. That's that's one of my thoughts. That's true. That's true. So for you, now I don't know, you don't have an Xbox One, I hope, do you? No, no, I still have the Xbox 360. We've got, <laughs> we've got the Xbox One. I will say I've been looking at this, and especially the Games Pass when it was announced, the Game Pass when it was announced last year. I was looking at this, gosh... This is a, a very nice benefit, and it's the kind of thing that, you know, after uh, more than a decade with the Xbox 360, I could see myself wow. <laughs> finally oh, making the move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's time. I, it's time. I, I do have the Slim, so I've got, a, I've got a, an update, but uh, yeah, it, it's probably time. All right, so that is the Xbox Game Pass. Now, I should say Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, also suggested that Microsoft might be expanding the Game Pass to their Play Anywhere initiative. And for people who don't know that, that's where you can do cross-platform games across Windows PCs and the Xbox. So Microsoft kind of playing all of its cards here. These are some of its strengths that a lot of people don't always think about in terms of being able to combine the worlds of Windows and Xbox and then do some interesting subscription things, which 
frankly, is an interesting play into Microsoft's broader strategy. They're moving a lot of their software to subscription, whether it's Office or Windows or anything else. And so this is just the latest example in terms of the Xbox. Yeah, and it's also interesting that um, the the whole Play Anywhere thing interests me too because that lessens, in my opinion, the appeal of an Xbox. Because if you can play all these first-party games on your PC anyway, why do you need the Xbox thing? Well, people have always said, you know, is the console era almost over? And Nintendo in particular seems to keep you know saving the console era from you right, know, the jaws true. of death and uh but but that's a great point i think eventually the pc could ultimately be even more of a center of, of gaming than it is and you've got the mobile phone it's if, if you're a gamer looking at it from that perspective it is really the golden era of video games that's if you true. Look at all the places you can play all the different ways you can play the different games you can play it's uh it's a great time, and and here we have some innovation in terms of the economics, which I think a lot of people will like. Okay, so Andrew, story number two, we've followed this one really closely: Apple and the HomePod. Yep. This this was a bit of a disappointment of 2017. I think we counted it not necessarily as one of our flops, but really as something that did not come out in the way that it should have. Just catch people up first. What is the Apple HomePod? So the Apple HomePod is Apple's entry, their foray, if you will, into the smart speaker segment. So, you know, the average person is going to look at it and say this competes with Amazon's Echo and competes with Google Home. Um, But that's not really how Apple's positioning it. They're really positioning it more as a smart speaker, uh, speaker first, smart second. So it's a it's supposed to be a great sounding speaker. You know, it's a speaker that you would happily listen to any of your music through, turn up the volume and enjoy it as a primary speaker. That also includes Siri and HomeKit uh, functionality built in. So this was supposed to launch at the end of 2017. Apple delayed it. Um, they said it'll come out early 2018. They just announced a pre-order date and a release date, but they also announced some things that the HomePod was supposed to do that it will not do at shipping and will be updated with software later in the year to be feature complete. So let's go through all those details. First off, they're going to be releasing it on February 9th. Pre-orders start on January 26th. Uh, To jog everybody's memory, the price of this is $349. So Mm -hmm. we finally have those details. But tell us more about the feature situation, because that is a new twist. Yeah, so the so aside, again, aside from playing music, um, one feature is it has access to all of Apple Music. If you have an Apple Music subscription, you can play any of the 30 million or so songs available. If you don't have an Apple Music subscription, then you can play music to it through Bluetooth or AirPlay. You can play anything that you store on your computer. You can play anything in your iTunes library. Um, you can ask it to play podcasts. You can ask it to play anything you bought from the iTunes store. Um, so that is, you know, that's entertainment. It can also do things, like I said, like, you know, handle any of your home kit stuff. So that's anything from, you know, lock the doors, change the lights, you know, any of that smart home stuff it can do. It has a built in thing that we're not, I'm not sure how this works yet, but it's supposed to be able to just use some sort of recognition of your voice so that if you have a home pod 
in the living room, it should be able to recognize three different people. So if you were to say to it, you know, what's on my calendar today, it'll tell you Todd's calendar. And then if your wife asked that exact same question without identifying herself, it would recognize her and tell her what's on her calendar. So that's interesting because we, it's not something we've seen happen yet in the smart speaker market, especially just through voice control. Um, so, so those are the features that, you know, some of the big features we're going to see. But some of the ones that are missing are, number one, the multi-room audio. So the HomePod was supposed to be something where, and this, this only applies, by the way, the features that are missing only applies to people who would have bought multiple HomePods. So if you plan on just buying one, then the features that are missing at launch do not affect you at all. All the features are as it pertains to multiple HomePods. So the first one is uh, whole home audio. And what that, meant, what that means is you could have a HomePod you know, placed in three different rooms and you can have the same song playing on all three in perfect sync and control it all from you know, your smartphone or your computer. That feature will not be available at launch. They say that's going to come later. Another feature that's not available at launch is the stereo pairing. So instead of having a HomePod in different rooms, you can put one on one side of the room and one on the other, and they'll recognize each other and say, okay, since there's two of us in here, I will handle the left side, the left channel of the stereo music, and you'll handle the right channel. And it becomes a stereo system that will not ship either when the HomePod launches. And I suspect that it's not so much an issue with the HomePod that they're trying to you know, figure out. It's that they have not completed work on AirPlay 2 yet, because these are features of AirPlay 2, and AirPlay 2 has not been integrated into iOS yet. And so since it's not there, the HomePod can't take advantage of it. Got it. Okay, very interesting. I know a lot of people have been following this one closely. This is definitely in the high end of the speaker market. So yes. as you said, don't think of this just as a competitor with existing lower end smart speakers from Google and Amazon, but think of it more as a smart replacement to a Sonos device. That's really where App Apple is competing here. Right. That's exactly what this is. And Google also released a, a you know, a pretty a high quality speaker as well recently in the Google Home Max, which is $399. So this is playing there. It's supposed to be, it's a speaker that you're basically, you know, you're proud to listen to music to, you're proud, you're proud to play mu music through if you're having a party at your home versus something like, a, you know, an Echo Dot, which you really, you can, you can do it, but why would you? Andrew, here's what I want to do on a future episode. I want to get all of these things in a room. I want to blindfold you, and I want to see if you can identify and tell the difference among them. I'm, I'm ready for that challenge. It's like the Pepsi challenge updated for the home speaker market. We're going to do it. Nobody else steal that I'm idea. Ready. All right. Yeah. Hey, we've got a great story coming up. I have been immersed in the world of Amazon Go, the brand new high-tech automated retail store. And coming up on Geared Up, we are going to be talking about the technology behind it. I've got some inside details, what's involved and what's not. We'll do that coming up next on Geared Up. Hey, welcome back to Geared Up. It's Todd Bishop here in Seattle, and I've got Andrew Edwards on the line in I'm L.A. here, yes. Here from L.A., live and on location. I don't know what that means. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, it's time for our giveaway, our Geared Up giveaway. We have a great device that we're going to be offering to one Geared Up subscriber. So this is we'll one of your favorite the devices of the year. It, it really is, and I've been using this it was now. In your, this was in the countdown. 
It, it was. It was in the top gadgets of the yes. year countdown for me. I love Alexa in terms of the ability to play music, especially. And this device brings Alexa into your car. You can do anything that you would do on Alexa in your car. It works via Bluetooth and your phone. You can plug it in via the aux jack or USB. It's called the Muse, M-U-S-E. It's from Speak Music. It normally retails for $69, and we've got one to give away to one geared-up listener. So, Andrew, how do folks how do folks enter to win? Entering is super easy. There will be a widget in the show notes at geekwire.com slash geared up, or if you're in your podcast player, we'll link you over there. And entering is simple. All you need to do is subscribe to the Geared Up podcast. So if you're not subscribed yet, or if you're already subscribed, take a screenshot of your podcast app showing that you're subscribed and use the widget to submit that screenshot. All valid entries will be entered to win. Awesome. Okay, so once again, we will pick one Geared Up subscriber to win the Muse device, which brings Alexa into your car. We'll be announcing the winner on an upcoming show. All right, it is time for the National Car Rental Story of the Week. Yes, Geared Up is brought to you by National Car Rental. Go national, go like a pro. I do a show with National Car Rental called Technically Speaking as well. You can check that out over on the nationalcar.com control center or youtube.com slash nationalcarrent. Thank you so much to National Car Rental for sponsoring Geared Up. All right. And the National Car Rental Story of the Week, Amazon Go. This is the new high-tech store in downtown Seattle, right on the northern edge of downtown Seattle. It is essentially the place where you can walk in and walk out. Andrew, I've been immersed in Amazon Go for the past week. The whole idea is there are no traditional cash registers, no checkout lines. You basically walk. Yes. Question. Why was there such a huge line to get into a store where the whole premise is you don't have to wait in line? You saw that on Twitter, too. That was pretty hilarious. What is happening? (laughs) Exactly. It's such a novelty. A lot of people were fascinated with this. This was a store that was available only to Amazon employees for more than a year. It was an internal beta test. Amazon has been testing it. They call it the Just Walk Out technology. The store is about 1,800 square feet. And I think there were tons of people who were just fascinated by this idea of really a seamless grocery store experience and potentially the future of retail, especially if you think about the possibility that Amazon could eventually roll this out to Whole Foods stores. Now, I got to be clear, Amazon says they have no plans for that. Obviously, the grocery arena is highly unionized, and so I think they have to be careful about what they say about displacing jobs if they replace cashiers with technology. But for purposes of Geared Up, I was really fascinated with the way the technology works. But first of all, Andrew, are you into this? Is this something that matters to you? If, if you could go in and just pick something off the shelf and walk out without actually checking out? Well, I mean, this is my own personal opinion because everybody, I assume everybody shops differently. Um, but for me, um, I'd rather have the control of just going in, getting what I want and leaving Uh, That makes it much faster for me as well. Like time is of the essence for me. Like I don't want to, you know, the worst part of shopping at a grocery store is the checkout process. That's, I I would assume most people feel that way. The checkout process is the part that's the longest. You have to stand in line. You have to wait. You have to, they scan everything. Or sometimes they just make you do it. And it's like, I'm I'm not a scanner. I don't know what I'm doing. So 
I would much rather just grab the stuff off the shelf, walk in, get what I need, walk out. Is that sounds amazing to me? Like that, if if I had the option of choosing that versus a traditional grocery store, I would choose Amazon. Go in a heartbeat. So here's the thing: I was able to test this last week before it opened to the public. Oh. I, wa- I walked in, I grabbed some Odwalla juice, and I walked out. Total total elapsed time in the store, twenty three seconds. Did it? Did was it too fast for it to catch you, or did it actually charge you? It charged me. Oh, absolutely. That's the thing. So it worked. Absolutely. The New York Times reporter, Nick Wingfield, he also did his own test. And I wish I had thought of this. He attempted to shoplift. He, <laughs> he, picked, <laughs> he picked up a bottle off the shelf, tucked it under a jacket. And his hope was that the store wouldn't sense what he was doing. And he walked out and no, it knew what he had done. So here's how it works. You download an app, first of all, and that's really the only actual interaction that you have with the store in terms it's of identity. Yes, well, it's not it the is, Amazon app. Exactly. For now, it is just an Amazon Go app. It's available for iOS and Android. And the key thing it has is a screen that has a QR code on it. And so you walk into the store, you've got the app ready, and you just turn the phone over and you scan it into one of the gateways at the edge of the store. And from that point on, they know who you are. They know where you're walking. And the technology they they use is essentially a array of hundreds of overhead cameras and depth sensors in conjunction with weight sensors in the shelves. And the way that they described it to me was the system treats you as an entity. So think of it essentially as a physical manifestation of a website. So right now, when you log into amazon.com, they know who you are. So that's the right. the analogy to basically checking in at the gateway. And then, of course, on a website, everybody knows you're tracked. They know exactly what you're doing. And so this is essentially Amazon creating a physical store with the mindset of a company that pioneered online retail. They are essentially treating you as the physical cursor walking around the store. Uh, wow. So essentially, the focus is on your interactions with the items on the shelves. So they know from the sensors when you pick up an item. And here's the interesting thing. They also know when you put it back. So I actually tried to trick it. I picked up a salad from one shelf, and I held it for a few seconds. And then I put it back. And then I picked up another salad that was just above the one that I had originally gotten. And I Uh took that and I walked out of the store and I paid really close attention to which was which. And they got it right. They knew that I had put the other one back and they knew that I had taken a different one off the shelf. And the way that you know is you walk out and essentially you just get the receipt in the app. Really impressive technology um, in terms of its ability to not only track one person. I mean, that's hard enough, right? But the store can handle almost 100 people at a time. And from what I could tell, I went back on opening day on Monday in Seattle. And from what I could tell, it was working even with a packed store. This is, I mean, this is crazy. I, you know, this is one of those things that feels like just the future. Like if you could just walk, you're thirsty, you're walking by, there's an Amazon Go shop right there. You just walk in, grab a juice and walk right out and go about your day. And it just chart like that's, that's the ultimate. That's great. 
like buying things is an inconvenience, you know, when it comes to having, especially, you know, have to check out, take out your, take out your wallet, or did you forget your wallet? Or do you have like, this, this is just awesome. So as long as you have your smartphone, like, right, you need to have your smartphone on. You can't just walk in without anything. Wait a second, Andrew, though. What about the privacy implications here? Because, I mean, it's one thing to be on a website and have your actions tracked, but what if you're walking through Amazon Go and or another store that has this technology in the future and you linger just a little bit too long at, I don't know, the condoms and suddenly online you're being targeted with ads and your wife walks up behind you and says, what the heck, what's going on? I mean, that's the kind of concern I think that people have with this tracking going into the physical world that's interesting like you're just trying to get nasal spray and the condoms are behind you and yeah it just makes a mistake now that's crazy um because when you said privacy implications i was thinking amazon knows everything i buy anyway so why would i care if they know what i buy in a physical store when they know everything i buy on their web store but you know that that's actually an interesting argument um you know, I don't I don't know that I really care all that much, to be honest. You know, those kinds of things are there's reasonable explanation for the mistakes that may happen in the store. But I think I would take that risk, which I think is a pretty small risk for the much greater reward of, again, just being able to walk into somewhere, get something, especially if it's just a couple items, just want to walk in and get them and leave versus having to, you know, it feels like it's not as dedicated of a trip or as dedicated of a chore um, that you're partaking in when you're just, you know, when you have that freedom, just walk in and out. I really like that. idea. I haven't been able to check it out yet since I've been traveling. But once I'm back in Seattle, I'm very excited to go check out the store. I should say for the record, Amazon is not doing that kind of online retargeting right now. And they are clear in that they're keeping the Amazon Go data confined into the Amazon Go experience. Oh, interesting. That said, certainly there is the potential if this catches on, if this is the future of retail, clearly that's where marketers would take this because that's the whole line. All right. Fascinating stuff. And we haven't even gotten into the implications for jobs. Amazon does say that they're essentially repurposing the employees who would have been cashiers into other areas, including the kitchen area where the fresh food is prepared. But long term, again, you could see where this would have big implications for jobs, especially at the scale of a grocery store as opposed to a convenience store. So lots of interesting stuff here. All right. We're going to take one last break here on Geared Up. Coming up, it's a new segment, the Geared Up Rant. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to Geared Up, and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Geared Up. It's Todd Bishop from GeekWire here in Seattle on the line with Andrew Edwards in Los yes, Angeles. Sir. Absolutely. Hey, I've got a rant for you. You've got a rant. Usually I'm the one ranting. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Usually you know, I'm, gonna... I'm the one that has a bone to pick with these companies. Exactly. Well, you know, I, I've got some complaints. I'm getting old and cranky here. So uh, I, can, <laughs> I, can, I can't I, wait. I cannot wait for this. So a while back, I think it was last year, T-Mobile came out with a new app called Digits that essentially can provide a second line on your phone through an app and also provide some number portability. So if you use the phone line, the the number that you get through the T-Mobile app, you can use it on a variety of different devices. Really cool. We talked about it a lot on Geared Up. You remember this, Andrew? Of course. Yes. Okay. So here's my rant. I primarily am using this as a number replacement. So the public number that I put out on GeekWire is my T-Mobile digits number. And it's great because I can tell 
when somebody's calling me, if they're calling the number that I give to everybody else, my friends and family, I can tell, oh, gosh, that's a call that is from somebody I know who has my number generally. And if it's coming into the T-Mobile digits line, I'm like, okay, it's somebody who's gotten my number off the website and I can prioritize as such. Right, which makes sense. The dang thing keeps logging me out. I can't figure it out. Oh, no. Every three or four days, I think it might have to do with a device restart. Whenever my device restarts, for any reason, I get logged out, which I guess makes sense. But for my purposes... Not really. Not really. It doesn't make sense in terms of an app that you want to rely on for phone calls. Exactly. To me, if you're going to have an app like this where you're giving out a number and people are trying to reach you through that number, either via text or voice... It right. needs to be always on and it needs to be always logged in. And every few days I look at my digits and I'm like, gosh, I don't see any notifications on the app icon. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And I look at it. It's logged me out again. It's logged me out so again. So you have to put in like a password and hit sign in and everything before it works? Exactly. And of course, I can I can never remember my T-Mobile password. And for some reason, it won't. <laughs> I, I haven't been able to get the face ID to work with it yet. I think that's probably on me. That's not a okay. subject of the rant uh, in terms of that particular app. But I, to me, I think this needs to, to really be stepped up in terms of the always on, always logged in capability before you can truly rely on it as a main phone number for yourself. That's, that's my T-Mobile digits rant. Well, you know what? I'm on your side. If I'm playing judge on this one, I am saying T-Mobile is guilty here because we have other apps that do phone call type thing. Like we're talking on Skype right now. You called me on Skype. I haven't used Skype in weeks and it just worked when you called me. I didn't have to make sure to check that I was logged in. It just works as expected. You would think a team, you would think an app that works with a phone number is even more important than Skype, you know, a Skype username. And it should just work. You know, you shouldn't have to worry about that. Absolutely. So here. It, this you know calling calling John Ledger if you can fix this T-Mobile <laughs> CEO this is one to fix and I I basically I still love the concept of having this other number it's kind of like a burner number on your phone right uh, so I am just paying extra close attention to make sure that I'm still logged in and um, I haven't missed a vital call yet but I think there's the potential to miss a really important call because it keeps logging me out. All right. So I love this new feature, Andrew, and I love the idea of the other person playing the judge. So we'll have to. We'll have to <laughs> and, and I think it, it'll only work, though, if the judge is willing to tell the person with the rant that they're off base. So let's let's right, hold ourselves accountable on that. Of course. Yes, we are men of integrity. Exactly. And that's what we will do. <laughs> awesome. Good stuff. Everything from HomePod to Xbox Game Pass to Amazon Go. Great stuff this week. Thanks very much, Andrew. Absolutely. All right. Safe travels. Until next time, I'm Todd Bishop. I'm Andrew Edwards. Hey, quick programming note. I am actually going on a big trip. I'm going to be spending the next couple of weeks in Pittsburgh for GeekWire's HQ2. If you want to find out more about that, go to geekwire.com slash HQ2. Andrew will be back in Seattle with a special guest host next week. Be sure to tune in, and I'll look forward to being back on the show when I'm back in Seattle. We'll talk to you next time on Geared Up. Thanks for listening to Geared Up, the weekly tech and gadget podcast. Check out more of Andrew's reviews at youtube.com slash gearlive and follow all of our coverage at geekwire.com.